If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things, thank you, all things have become new. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word because it's life to us, and we just ask that, Lord, it becomes real in our hearts, and God, that we walk it out every day. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to speak to you for just a little while this morning and teach on this phrase, the new life. Would you say that with me? The new life. You know, when the scripture says, Paul's talking, and he said that when we're in Christ Jesus, old things have passed away and all things become new. So we ought to be experiencing a new life. How many of you recognize that sometimes we have a hard time letting go of the old one? You know, and, and so you can't, it's kind of like, you know, if you've got uh, a new dress, well, if, for ladies, I'll, I'll get something for the guys here in a moment, but like if, if you've got a, if the ladies have a new dress, you know, and, and, uh, and then you've got an old favorite dress and you, you want to wear the new dress, but you like the old dress and you can't, you know, and so you're trying to make up your mind and, and you just decide to wear both dresses. It doesn't work, does it? Because if, if you get, if you manage to get into both of them, it's not going to look right, you know, unless you do like my wife and cut half of it in half and, you know, have the bottom part and then to get a new top part. But anyway, so it's, it's learning how to let go of the old and we struggle with that. We struggle with letting go of the old. Uh, I thought about when, well, let me read this to you and then I'll think. Okay. Look at Luke chapter 5 and starting with verse 27. Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw, tax, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, catch these words, Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. See, we think he just got up and left Monday or left Friday night and he'll be back Monday morning. He left everything and followed him. Later, Levi had a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But when the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples, why do you eat and drink with such scum? Now, in the King James Version, it says, why do you eat with publicans and sinners? Publicans was a word for tax collectors. But in the NLT, it's getting to the heart of what they were saying. And he said, why are you eating and drinking with such scum? Because that's what they believed they were. And he said, and Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not the righteous to repentance, but sinners. 
I like the way the NLT puts it because the NLT says, I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Then right after, now, now watch this, they, they don't like the way Jesus is doing things. How many of you have found yourself in a place where you don't like the way something's being done? And so the natural thing you need to do is voice your opinion, right? And so it's, you know, and, and so that's what they did. They don't like the way he's doing things and, and no one... And, and, and the reasoning is, hey, we, you know, we don't do it like this. We, you're not going to catch us eating with sinners and hanging out with tax collectors. And so what, why are you doing this? Now, watch what happens here because they're not done yet. They say, then they said to him, the disciples of John the Baptist often practice fasting and offer prayers of special petitions. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours eat and drink. Jesus said to them, Can you make the wedding guests of the bridegroom fast while he's with them? But the days for mourning will come when the bridegroom is forcefully taken away from them. Then they will fast in those days. The problem is that they don't like what he's doing. As a matter of fact, Jesus gets to the heart of the problem when he says this. Look at Luke 5, 37. Jesus speaks and he says, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled and the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins and both are preserved. And no one having drunk old wine immediately desires new for they say, everybody say, they say the old is better. Now, the word better there in Greek means useful, or another translation would be fine. So what Jesus is saying is nobody that drinks old wine wants new wine because they, they say the old is fine. The, the, what, what we've got is fine. It's, we, don't, we don't need anything new. And that's what Jesus is addressing. The problem that they're, they, they just start picking him to pieces over his disciples. They don't, you know, they, and, and himself. How can you, how can you eat? How can you associate with someone like that? How can you eat and drink with those people? And he said, look, man, those people that are well don't need a physician. And people that are I, here's what he's saying, and he's doing this kind of in a sarcastic way. He's saying, those that are righteous don't have need. Basically, what he's telling them is, you're self-righteous, and, and you're not going to listen to what I'm saying anyway. And so he's trying to get them to see what they're doing, because after that's done, that's not enough for them. Then they start harping on the disciples you know, well, they, you know, we fast and we pray. You know, John's disciples, they go to John because John was friends with Jesus. John the Baptist's disciples, they fasted and they prayed and they had special prayers. And the Pharisees' disciples do the same thing. And your disciples eat and drink. I don't like it. I, I, I don't like it. 
And he looks at him and he said, well, look, you know, you can't expect them to fast while I'm with them. You know, the day's going to come when I'm taken away, and then they'll fast. But then he gets to the heart of what's really eaten on him. And he's saying, you, you like the old better than the new. You don't want anything else. Basically, he's telling them the Old Testament. I'm going to get to that in just a second. He's saying, you're, you're holding on to the law, and you don't want anything new. Now, how many of you remember a night throw that picture up would you how many of you remember a 1957 bel air oh let's hear it remember a friend of mine hit that next slide because i mean the red is great you know and it's proud but look at that black man that's when the car was a car god these new fang dangled cars they got I don't like, I like the old. They got restaurants that are based on old motifs, the 50s. And everybody goes in there and Elvis is still hanging on the wall. And Maryland's right next to him. And, and you go in and you can get a root beer float. And you remember, you remember when a hamburger was a hamburger. And even the french fries are better back then than they are now. And I, I like the old, I like the old better. And it's all in your head. <laughs> Do you remember driving a 1957 Chevy? <laughs> remember how it was trying to steer one? <clears throat> that was real power steering, folks. <laughs> oh, and of course, the air conditioning. Oh, yeah, I love this. 90 degrees outside. Oh, this is wonderful. <laughs> that one's better. It sucked gas like a sieve, man. Do you? So, but we get this in our head, and so we, we live in the past. And Well, it was better. No, it wasn't better. The car I just got rid of, which was a, tw what was it? That, that car was a 2007. I bought that car in 2007. I got rid of it in 2018. I had 315,000 miles on that engine and never touched the engine. And it was still working. I, I, it's still going right now. I don't know how many miles are on it now. But that car, well, well wasn't that bad? Wouldn't you rather have that Chevy? I've got some folks... They're friends of mine that have those cars, classic cars. Do you know what they do with them? They put them in the garage and go out there and look. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I got to go to California. Oh, but the car's not going. It's not taking them anywhere. All they're doing is they're relishing the look of it and they're remembering the day. And, and some of you don't even know what I'm talking about because you were born like in the 2000s or in the 90s and you can't even remember good candy. <laughs> but we get this stuff in our head and we look, the cars we have today get better mileage, they last longer, they ride smoother, and they handle better. Can you imagine trying to turn a 57 like this with your finger? I know people that drive with their knees now. Eating. We're not going to mention any names. 
are we? <laughs> you couldn't do that then. Your knee had got hung up in that wheel and it had broke your leg when it was spinning back. <laughs> it was a mindset, and that's what Jesus is saying to them. He's saying, look, your problem is you don't like what's, what God is bringing you, you want to hold on to the law. Now, stay with me here because this gets real interesting to me. He, he makes the distinction with them, and he said, you can't put new wine in old wineskins. Now, this is literally a, a skin. I think this is sheepskin. But then what they would do is they would carry wine, and we, we see these things, you know, and Daniel Boone had one. Whoops. Paul, I was just checking. Where's Paul? Is he in here? He filled this up. Now I'm nervous. I, I filled it up last time. But anyway, those skins that they would use t traditionally would be like ox. They would use an ox skin, and it would hold 60 gallons of wine. We carry these because we think it's cool, you know. But they, 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 they would fill these up. And Jesus said, you can't put new wine into old skins. Why? He said, because the, the old skin can't hold it. And he said, the, the wine would go through a ferm, uh, fermenting process in the skin, and it would stretch the skin. So if, if you're already stretched to your limit, if all you can hold is the old stuff if you've stretched yourself to your limit he said if you put that new wine in to that old wine skin what's going to happen it's going to whoa I spilled all that wine. <laughs> That's not what he said. Watch, watch this. Now, this is what's interesting. He said, if you do that, he said, the wine skin will burst. He said, the wine will be spilled. But he said, the wine skin will be ruined. They didn't even understand what he was saying. He's saying, if you keep doing this, you're going to ruin your life. If you, keep, if, if you keep thinking that the old is better, if you keep trying to hold on to the law and just what was in the law, and if you keep thinking that the old is better, you're going to ruin your life. He said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to. That's, that one word is made up of two words, full and fill the scripture tells us that jesus is the fullness of the godhead bodily what's he saying he's saying i came to fulfill the law i didn't come to destroy the law i came to show you what the law was always pointing to i came to because you, the law in and of itself isn't going to save you i came to 
fulfill that. He's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And then when he was crucified, the Bible said that he breathed on his disciples and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. He said, I came full and to fill you. I came to fulfill the law because the law in and of itself was not enough. Look at what Paul writes concerning this. In Romans 7, verse 1, and then we'll go to verse 9 and 10. Now, dear brothers and sisters, you who are familiar with the law, don't you know that the law applies well, only while a person is living? At one time, I lived without understanding the law. But when I learned the command not to covet, for instance, the power of sin came to my life and I died. So I discovered that the law's commands, which were supposed to bring life, brought spiritual death instead. You remember the Audubon? Talks about, here, here's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, when I, there was a time when I was ignorant to what was wrong, to the law. And as long as I was ignorant to it, it didn't have any impact on me. But once I learned that it was wrong, then it brought spiritual death to me because I couldn't get it right. Somebody say, I can't get it right on my own. And the law set out all these rules and regulations. And, 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 and Paul saying, man, I can't get this right. It's kind of like in the Audubon. You know, the Audubon it has no speed limit, right? But they gave a guy a ticket on the Audubon. He was doing, I think it was 260 miles an hour. He had some type of a, I forget what the car was. It was like a, a race car. And he got it out there. And even though there is no, there, there's no speed limit, they gave him a ticket for endangering others. Because he's moving too fast. See, when you think... You can do it on your own. Not only are you putting yourself at risk, but you're putting everybody around you at risk because you can't handle it. How many of you have ever grabbed hold of something you needed help lifting? But you didn't want anybody to know you needed help. I got it. If you could just put your foot down there so it won't slide when I'm trying to pick it up. Don't want to acknowledge that you need help. Well, I can, I can handle it. I can. I've handled some things. Pick up my refrigerator by myself. You think I'm kidding? I picked up my refrigerator by myself. I was moving all the time, man. I don't need any of your help. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Nothing. So we live in pain because we're not willing to acknowledge our need. We need him. Everybody say, we need him. Now watch what Paul says. Now look at verse 14. So the trouble is not with the law. 
for it's spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. And that's where they were at. That's where the Pharisees were. They were embracing the law, and they were even adding to the law, but it wasn't changing them. Because all the law did was tell you what you were doing wrong, but it did not empower you to be able to overcome the wrong you were doing. So Paul speaking to them about this, and he said, man, he said, I, you know, the, the very fact that I recognize, how many of you have ever done something wrong? Hold your hand up. How many, shame, oh, no, I'm kidding, okay. Hold, hold your hand up, you've done something wrong, you've done something wrong. Now, how many of you knew it was wrong when you were doing it? You rebellious bunch of <laughs> What are you getting at? I'm saying we know it's wrong, but we still find ourselves doing it because we feel like we can handle it all by myself. Boy, if I could sing it, I knew that song, I'd sing it. All by myself. You know what I'm talking about. We don't, we don't even recognize that we can't make it. Jesus makes this statement. He said, I am the vine, and ye are the branches. And without me, you can do... Oh, 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 oh. I can do all things. See? You can't, you can't take him out of the equation. But that's what the Pharisees were doing. They didn't believe. They, they, man, they were wrestling with this Jesus character. No, you're not. The law's enough for us. The law's enough. He said, Moses gave us bread out of heaven. Like, you know, like Mo, he said, Moses, he said, it wasn't Moses that gave you bread out of heaven. It was my father. And you ate that bread. He said, Moses gave it to you and he's dead. No matter what it is we're trying to grab hold of, the old, we're never going to get to where we long to be until we embrace the new. Jesus was new on the scene. They never, even soldiers were walking away shaking their head. Never a man spake like this man spake. And they were doing everything they could to shut him down, not realizing that they were doing it to their own detriment. Now watch this, Romans 7 and 22. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. What a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that's dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. What's Paul really saying here? Paul's not talking about, you know, I'm such a sinful wretch. Who's going to deliver me from this body of death? He's talking about the law. He was saying, look, we've, been, we've had this law all this time, and the law told me what was wrong. It pointed out what was wrong, but it couldn't help me get it right. It didn't do anything to me. It didn't do anything inside of me. And so I keep going through this ritualistic offering sacrifice, and it's still not freeing me from this war that's going on inside of me oh what a wretched miserable man that I am 
How am I going to get free? Like a bird out of prison. Everybody's saying, that's taken its flight. Like a blind man that God gave back his sight. Like a poor, wretched beggar that found fortune and fame. I'm so glad that I found out he would bring me out and show me the way. Thank God that I'm free, free. Boy, you're making me work for it, aren't you? <laughs> free from this world of sin. Here it comes. I've been washed in the blood of Jesus. I've been born again. Hallelujah. I'm saved, saved, saved. But nobody's leaving until you all sing. <laughs> See, the very thing that they were trying to push out of their life was who they needed in their life. He said, the old isn't better. You say it's better. But I can't give you new until you're willing to change the wineskin. Somebody say, I need to change my mind. I need to change. Any of you ever tasted something that you didn't want to taste? You know what I'm talking about? You turned your nose up at it and went, I ain't eating that. And you, forget that, I'm not touching that. Oh, come on, just taste it, just taste it. No, I don't want it. Just try it. My wife gets on to me all the time. She said, you, she said, you, you you do this to me all the time. I put stuff up in her mouth. I mean, by her mouth. I say, here, taste this. I don't, no, I don't want, taste it. Just taste it. Why do you do that? Because it's good. <laughs> and so then all of a sudden you taste something and, and have you ever tasted something and changed your mind about it? Well, all of a sudden you thought it was horrible. You thought it was going to be terrible. Then you tasted it and you found out that it was wonderful. That's why the scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. What he's saying is if you'll just taste me, if you'll just try me, you're going to want me more than anything else in your life. I'm talking about a new life, a new beginning. And so that's what Paul is offering, to, or that's what Jesus is offering to us. And that's what Paul's trying to tell them about. Now listen to what Paul says. Paul makes a statement and he says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me, gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless for of keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. The new life. I want you to hear me. You say, well, you're talking about the law of Moses and all that. Yeah, but what about the laws we create ourselves? You remember the scripture that said the Gentiles have a law unto themselves. We create a law even after we've come to God. We create this law by getting in a routine and a rut and not desiring a new touch of God. 
How many of you have ever been touched by the Lord? Filled with his spirit. Hold on. Wait. Now, was one touch enough? Was one, that's like me kissing my wife when we got married. And said, I love you, baby. And never kissing her again. She's going to say, I'm going to find me some lips that want to kiss. What are you saying? You don't want to be committed to someone that doesn't adore you, that doesn't desire you, that doesn't want you. For me to take a position that at one point in my life I said yes to Jesus and now I just walk away and forget about him, it becomes a law that traps me. And hear me, you're never going to be able to get something new from God until you get hungry for it. What are you saying? I'm saying this, you, until you get hungry, everything's just the same. But when you get hungry and you say, I need something new. Listen, when you, you begin to recognize what it is you have, you don't take it for granted. Paul says, I, I'm not going to take the grace of God for granted. And then you're going to desire more of him. Everybody say new life. Jesus said, I came that you could have life and have it more abundantly. Yesterday afternoon, my son called me. He'd been in Cape and something had happened and he was sharing with me. He said, Dad, he said, it's been a weird day. He said, we were supposed to go to Charleston. And he said, the weather kind of changed and we just all decided not to go to Charleston and he said and then I just got this urge to go to Target and go get a shirt and he said and so I got up and I, I you know left the house and started to go down to Target and he said I got down to the Walgreens store and when I got to the Walgreens store he said I I, I I saw he said something was going on and I was looking trying to figure out what was happening and he said I, I saw this car that was in there it was an suv he said in there and he said that, and it was backing up and and like and and people were kind of standing around and said the thing started backing up like on the curb out into the street and he thought i thought what is going on he said and all of a sudden he said i saw this car door the passenger side the door flew open and i saw a foot hanging out the passenger side and he said and then it closed shut and and he said i i thought what what is going on and it started to take off and it wound up in another parking lot he said I, I was turning around he said I turn I saw this vehicle then in another parking lot and he said and I thought what's going on and he said I don't know why but I felt urged to go over there he said I started to go into the other parking lot he said but then I saw another vehicle that looked just like the one at Walgreens passed by me and he said oh I, and he said well I thought well that that was the vehicle and he said I started to leave and he said then I saw the car the passenger door fly open and another a foot stick out of the car that was in the parking lot and it slammed shut again and he said and I whipped into that parking lot he said the guy came to try and get out of the parking lot and he said I pulled my truck up and blocked him he said I got out of the truck and he said I was motioning for him to roll his window down well he didn't get out of the truck he said I was in my truck and I was motioning for him to roll his window down and said the guy tried to pull around me he said I pulled up in front of him and stopped him he said I motioned roll your window down 
He said, the guy rolled his window down. He said, is there a problem? He said, no, no, man, everything's fine. He said, and all of a sudden I heard someone scream, help me, help me. It was a lady. She was screaming, help me. And he said, he said, what's going on? And she said, help me. He said, you let her go. And she said, he said, no. He said, he had her head shoved down in the seat. And he was saying, no, it's just my wife. It's just my wife. And he, she yelled, I'm not his wife. Please help me. And he said, let her go now. And he tried to pull up. And he pulled up. And all of a sudden, cars started backing up or started pulling in behind him. So he couldn't back out. The car door flew open again. And this woman rolled out and hit the grass. And then all of a sudden, that car slapped it in gear and jumped over the curb and flew out and Jonathan took off after him he said I was chasing him going down the street doing going down what's the name of that street going down Independence he was doing 90 miles an hour and he said I got the police on the phone he said I had to back off he said I couldn't keep chasing him. he said but I called the police and gave him the description of the vehicle his plate number and, and everything they said we'll get it from here when that lady woke up yesterday morning, it was just an old way of life. But halfway through the day, she was screaming out for new life. Help me, save me. All of a sudden, she recognized that the old life wasn't going to be enough to get her out of this situation. She needed someone to intervene. She needed someone to step up to the plate. She needed someone that would not turn a blind eye or a deaf ear and say, I'm here to save you. I'm here to rescue you. And my son said, Dad, I wasn't even supposed to be there. He said, two seconds sooner, and I would have missed it all. I'm telling you that Jesus saw where we were at. He saw us trapped, and the devil was was trying to drag us to hell and he said not so fast I got some new wine I've got some new wine I was talking to Debbie and I said I wonder how that woman felt this morning there's a good chance that she woke up thankful for her new life Amen. thankful that the old was past and everything became new. You want a drink? Would you stand with me? We become trapped by the mundane. We become a victim of our own apathy. We allow our walk with God to just become a routine instead of being hungry for more. So we go to church on Sundays and go about our week. Jesus knew what they were wrestling with. He said, you need new skin. <laughs> you need to get a new container. You need to open your heart. So the scripture said, the last day of the feast in John, the seventh chapter. He says, the last day of the feast, that notable day, it was the day where the people would go to the pool 
And they would draw from the pool of Siloam. And then they would go dancing back through the street, signifying the scripture in Isaiah, the 12th chapter, where it says, and with joy I'll draw from the wells of salvation. But Jesus saw it for what it was. It was just empty. And he stood up in that last day when all of this stuff is going on and he shouts with a loud voice and said, those that are thirsty, if you'll come to me, he said, I'll give you water that will be like a fountain springing up out of you. I'll give you new life, new life, new life. So blessed are they that hunger and thirst. See, not, it didn't say blessed are those that pick around. Blessed are those that just want to walk through Sam's and sample everything. Blessed are those that are hungry. Blessed are those that are thirsty. Because he knows when you get hungry and you get thirsty, you're going to get full. If you're in this building today and you say, Pastor, I want that new life. You may feel like that woman trapped in a vehicle you can't get out of trapped in a circumstance or a situation that keeps dominating your life and you want to be free. New life. You may be wrestling with a sickness that you're trying to get free from and you're saying I, I, nothing seems to be working but I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That it would become greater than whatever it is that's trying to hold you back. So if you're in this place today and you want that new life, I'm not talking about that you're not saved because you can be saved and just get into a rut. I'm talking about you want that power. You want that joy. You want that new life. Would you come and stand with me right now? I'm going to wait for just a moment as you come. Move quickly. Move quickly. Don't wait for somebody else. This is for you. Paul In his writings, Paul makes a statement. He said, I knew a man once. He said, whether he was in the body or spirit, I don't know. He said, but that same man was caught up to a third heaven. And he saw things that aren't lawful to be uttered. One translation said it this way, that what he saw would be a crime to try and describe because there's just not words to describe it. That's Paul. That's the guy that had been 
going through the motions of living for God, going through the motions of serving God. And then all of a sudden, one day, he discovered how far he was away from God. And he said, fill me. Give me this new life. Are you ready for it? Would you stretch your hands to heaven? Right before I pray for you, just raise your hands to heaven for just a second. We believe that God heals, right? We've seen God heal. I continually thank God for healing Jan Berkey of cancer. I thanked him for healing Kelsey that couldn't walk around and her husband, I mean her mother thought that she was getting ready to lose her. I continue to thank God for Kat's miracle. I've, I've thanked God for what he's done in your lives because you're the living proof of it. I come here every Sunday and see you. I see what God has done in you, and that excites me. And I'm thinking, give us more, God. Give us more. I'm not ungrateful for what I've received. I'm very grateful, but I want more. I want more. I've had, I've had seasons in my life where, you know, God has always been there. He's always loved me. And he's all, I've always felt him. But there have been seasons in my life where he showed up in an extraordinary fashion. And I, I, the, the season where I got a double portion. And, man, I didn't know who I was for a day and a half. And the, the season when all of a sudden he overwhelmed me. And for 10 months I, I walked in his presence and couldn't hardly get up and articulate a message because his spirit would overwhelm me. But I'm hungry for more. I want more. How about you? You know what I'm hungry for right now? I'm hungry to see Erlene completely healed and whole. God has touched her so many times in so many ways. He's already healed her. They, she had a growth in her body, and, and they went back and, and went to check it again, and it was gone. The same God that did that can heal her completely and eradicate every cell out of your body that he didn't create. We thank you for it. We sing holy, holy, holy. Thank you for it, Father. We receive it today. like a flood, like a fire. Holy Spirit, oh, in this place, fill our hearts. Holy Spirit, come like a flood, like a fire. Holy Spirit, come. So, you know, I know, I know you're only supposed to have church on Sunday, right? The women were in here yesterday in the Empower Hour, and JC lay in the floor, right? Was she in the floor? Were you in the floor? She's in the floor. I don't know what you're doing in the floor. She received the Holy Spirit. Yes. How did it make you feel? You know how that makes me feel? Hungry for more. I want more. Somebody say, don't, don't bring me. A, some of you folks in here, I mean, need to open up a restaurant. You cook so good. But don't bring me a little sliver of pie and say, this is for you. I'm going to be following you home. 
I want more than a sliver. I want it all. <laughs> hey, I, I'm not being selfish because you can make more. When I come to God and I say, God, I want it all, His well is unending. He never runs dry. So why would I say, give me just a little touch? Give me just a little, no, no. Pour it out on me, God. Pour it out on me. So stretch your hands to heaven.
story about a man during I believe it was World War II can't remember what it was called if it was called ham chainsaw hill or something I can't remember what it was called but it was about a man that had gone into the army and he went in as a and hacksaw ridge thank you he went in as a uh, conscientious objector in other words he was willing to serve his country but he didn't want to have to kill anybody so they put him in as a medic and they got up on this ridge and a, a firefight broke out. Man, the enemy was all over and they, they were trying to get down the side of the sheer cliff and they, they were just being mowed down and then the enemy stayed there but this guy hid himself and he started crawling around and finding those that had been wounded and finding if they were still alive. And all night long, he drugged them to the edge of that cliff and tied ropes around them and let them down. One man, he was up there by himself. All of a sudden, the platoon that he was with looked up and saw this guy coming down the side of this cliff. And they looked up and saw him. And they had razzed him and given him all kinds of grief. And he let one down and he went back and let another down and he let another down and all night long he kept praying one more god give me one more and at the end of that i believe he had let over i think it was like 75 men down his hands were raw from that rope and and and, and he was wore out but he would not give up he said one more, you need to understand that God does not give up on us, that God does not walk away from us, that God comes after us. Even if it's just one more time, one more time, God, come after me. Until all of a sudden he grabs hold of our lives and all and all of our all of our thought processes change and we're not even the same person we used to be anymore not because of something somebody else did but because of something God did because we can't save ourselves only God can do that as you stretch your hands to heaven I want you to say it with me one more time Come. just one Spirit come. 
we get ready to dismiss today, this is a word that I want to leave with you. Stay hungry and stay thirsty. Because as long as you stay hungry and you stay thirsty, you've got a promise that he's going to fill you. We can't afford to drift off into an apathetic life with God to where it's just a routine going to church and you know coming in and singing a couple songs and patting our hands and praising God a little bit and going home it's a new life everybody say new life you know what it needs to be new every day we need to have a fresh touch every day so as you take somebody by the hand right now I want you to look right in their eye and say I don't know about you but as for me it's a new life every day every moment and every hour in jesus name come on give him a hand clap of praise we love you god bless you